good. Well, Psalm 23 is a very precious psalm to take with us into the new year. And I'm going to read it and then pray as we look at it together. Psalm 23 on page 555 in the Red Bibles, if you want to follow along. Psalm 23, a song of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that as we sit here in your presence at the start of another year, that we have this opportunity to commit ourselves to you as our shepherd and our king and our sovereign and our leader and our provider and our carer and our Lord. So I pray, Father, that as we gather around your word this afternoon, that we would grasp what it is that you're saying to each one of us and and that this moment of interaction with your word will will be the focus for permanent transformation. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Uh, Maybe this year you need a carer. Uh, That was a conversation I had with my dad about four or five years ago. Sat down with him at Christmas and had that conversation. Perhaps you've had it with your parents if if, uh, they're getting a bit elderly. Maybe this year you need a carer. It's a difficult conversation. um, And my dad, like many older people, Uh, struggle to let go of his independence. Um, It's a difficult thing to grasp, isn't it, that you might need more help than you realize. And it's hard to sit down with your parents and say, um, can we offer you some help? Is it time to get a carer who's going to come and look after you? That's a difficult moment. But I think you need a carer. That's what what I'm saying. I I don't know how, how you feel if... If, uh, if someone said that to you, how you'd feel, a tiny bit insulted, I imagine, or maybe you feel delighted, you know, someone to bring you a cup of tea in the morning is exactly what you need. Um, but what I'm saying is that you need a carer. And, um, and this psalm is written by King David, and, and it's, it's an admission that he needs a carer. He needs someone to care for him. He, he lived a roller coaster of a life. Um, at times he was the king at the top of his game, At times he was a a fugitive on the run, but throughout his whole life, throughout that whole sort of kaleidoscope of different experiences, he knew that he needed a carer. And in this song that he wrote, Psalm 23, which is so very different from the psalm that comes just before, Psalm 22, he said that he's found the kind of security that you're not going to find anywhere else. He's he's found someone who's going to genuinely care for him. Perhaps that's the kind of security that you're interested in 
at the start of a new year where there's just increasing uncertainty in every possible direction in an increasingly unstable world? If so, then listen to Psalm 23. And, and, and David's going to explain how it feels to have a carer using three separate pictures. Let me explain those pictures to you. The first one's this, and you'll see the heading on your service sheet. If you've got that in front of you, it might help you follow along. First of all, he says he's got a shepherd who guides him. We can have a shepherd who guides us. We can say, I have a shepherd who guides me. Just take the first phrase of that psalm as we start. The Lord is my shepherd. Take that one word at a time. Uh, the Lord. And that's the name by which God introduced himself to Moses in, in Exodus 3. That's when Moses had to take off his shoes, if you remember. Um, and uh, there was a, a, a bush which seemed to be burning up, but, but wasn't. This God introduced himself as someone who was going to come and, uh, come and rescue his people. He was going to redeem them. He was going to save them. It's staggering, really, when you think of, of the way that God's people had treated him, the sin of his people constantly turning away from him and uh, refusing to listen to him. It's staggering that God should have saved them, but he said that was what he was going to do. And so when he uses this name, the Lord, what it means is someone who's going to be, someone who's going to be totally and utterly faithful and faithful to his promises. He made some promises 430 years earlier to, uh, to, to someone called um, Abraham. 430 years is a long time, and God was being 100% faithful to the promises that he had made. He doesn't forget his promises, although a considerable amount of time might have elapsed. And he hasn't forgotten the power that he has to keep them. He's holy and he's faithful. He's called Yahweh. That's the Hebrew word that we have translated as the Lord. That is his name. And faithfulness is written into it. The Lord is my shepherd. Is. What, what is he? Let me tell you. He, he, he is present in this moment. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, He's present with you whatever you're going through, whatever experience you're having at the moment of life. Uh, whatever the heartache, there's certainty there. The Lord is your shepherd. I don't know what's been taken away from you, maybe your hope, your confidence, your joy, um, friendship you used to rely on, um, your sleep. Perhaps you're in a dark place. The Lord is my shepherd now. The Lord is my shepherd with me in my current experience the lord is the lord is my shepherd so much of christianity hangs on these little words okay my the lord is my shepherd just two letters long but so big on meaning um, if we can say that those words like me and us and my and our uh, if we can say those of god a famous christian writer called martin luther once wrote this he said um read with great emphasis these words, me and for me and my. Accustom yourself to accept and apply to yourself this me with certain faith. The words our, us, for us ought to be written in golden letters in our Bible. The man who does not believe them, the man or woman who does not believe them, is not a Christian, says Luther. Because those are the words by which we appropriate this God to our own lives, by which we say, yes, 
you are my God and, and, and I will submit to you. I will live life being saved by you and then guided by you. That's what it means to be a Christian. And, and David is writing in this psalm about things that apply to himself and, and his people. He's not ashamed to say that. He's not saying that the Lord is a shepherd or, or the shepherd, but he's saying that, that God is, he says, God is my shepherd. You know, I might be a sheep that wanders off from time to time. I got my head stuck in the fence. You know, well, whatever it is, I may not have learned from my mistakes. You know, I might be very ashamed of, of things I've done in the past. But he is my shepherd. He knows my needs and the dangers I'm in and my mistakes and, and what it's like to be me. The Lord is my shepherd. And he belongs to me if I'm a Christian. And it says the Lord is my shepherd and that means he's my provider and protector verse one the lord is my shepherd i lack nothing he'll provide and supply everything we need that's what the bible promises us um, the first hearers uh, of this psalm would their minds would have gone back to the exodus that was that time under moses when god saved his people to redeem them as the bible terms it um, from slavery in Egypt and he supplied the fiery pillar and the cloud and the rescue from start to finish and the water from the rock and and the clothes that didn't wear out and the you know he he might not supply to order this God um, he might not always supply things that we want but um, he gives us what we need um, every department of my life it's under his care and so you see verses 2 and 3, so it's just a picture of incredible security and safety lying down in green pastures. Um, verse 3, a picture of restoration. Uh, he refreshes my soul. He gives, he gives me my life back. I might, be, I might be bone weary as I come to this shepherd, but he refreshes me. Um, and he... he he does that for his name's sake. Can you see that in verse 3? He guides me on these paths of righteousness for, for his name's sake. Now, the whole point is that, that sheep get themselves into trouble. I don't know whether you've ever looked after any sheep. Um, it's a fairly depressing activity, actually. I've been left in charge of some sheep on a very short-term basis. Um, here's a, did you see in the news? I, I don't know if you can see that. I tried to print it out a bit bigger. Um, this is a sheep called Barak. Um, he ran away in Australia for five years. Um, and he's not in a good way. You can't see where he's going. Uh, they took 34 kilograms of wool off, off, off Barak, um, which meant that he could then stand up. It's very, <laughs> very helpful if you're a sheep to be able to stand up. Sheep get themselves into trouble. Sheep can't lead themselves. I, 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 you know that. And, and so as we come to God, we just have to accept our desperate limitations, really. Um, we must accept that if we want to be a Christian. We're fantastically limited. We don't know always what we need. Um, and, so, and so God has to set the path of my life. That's the picture in, in verse 3. God has to set the path, the path of righteousness. And it's for his name's sake because... Um, it shows that he was right all along, that he knew us better than, better than we knew ourselves, that he knew what we needed better than, better than we knew. 
and, and we need that path. You know, sometimes we set an imaginary path for ourselves um, and, and it, it sort of goes a particular way and it's to do with our, we sort of imagine this path that we're going to take through life and um, it involves our, our career or our, or our relationship status or our, our financial position that we thought we'd have or the house that we thought we'd be living in um, and, and we sort of set this imaginary path through our lives and, and we can feel so disappointed when it doesn't turn out the way that we hoped it would. Uh, it can really, we, we can feel heartbroken sometimes. But, but the milestones along God's path are so very different. They're very different to the sort of milestones that we imagine along our path of life. Um, and, and you look back sometimes and, and, you, and you kind of think, thank goodness the shepherd didn't say, after you. Because, because his plans for our lives are genuinely better. God won't always take us in the way that we choose, but he will never take us in a way that leads us away from him either. It's not always comfortable, but it's good. I have a shepherd who guides me. So can you see each of these three pictures has a sort of testimony at the heart of it, a sort of story uh, from a personal point of view. Just a mini testimony. So can you see the testimony in, in, in verse 1? I lack nothing. I lack nothing, says David. Um, do you see God taking you into 2023 as a sort of slave driver? Um, a God who's going to crack the whip and demand more and more from you. Um, never really satisfied. So that you turn up to church just feeling burdened by everything you have to do. God's not our slave driver. He's our shepherd. He, he wants to provide for us and refresh us. And um, what, what does Jesus say, picking up on these words? He says, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then, and then he says he calls his own sheep by name. He knows your name and leads them out. He's provided for us. He's, he's died for us. And he is leading us for our good and for his glory. That's, that's the picture. Can you take that with you into the new year? Well, you can trust God for that, says Psalm 23. And it will be true even in the deepest suffering. And, and that's what the second picture adds in, in verse 4. Have a look down at that. This is what this picture is saying. In summary, it says, I have a companion who walks with me. Um, have a look down at verse 4, page 555. Um, Psalm 23, verse 4. What's the testimony here, the mini-testimony? I will fear no evil. Now, I, I don't know what 2023 is, is, is starting to look like, how it's shaping up, what you've got ahead of you. Uh, for some of us, it might be full of the bleakest of suffering. Uh, something maybe that you faced before, something like depression or something that you just comes out of the blue. I don't know whether that would be the case for you, but I, I do know that the time to prepare yourself, the time that we need to prepare ourselves is now, before the wave hits. Yeah. Um, so notice what happens in this second picture as David heads into the darkest valley. Literally, he's heading into, in the original language, the death shadow. 
And, and first the he becomes a you. Um, what do I mean by that? So verse 3 of Psalm 23, verse 3, um, he restores my soul. Verse 4, you are with me. Can you see there's a direct addressing of, of the God of the universe. You are with me. In a time of suffering, David banks on his personal relationship with God. This is an IU interaction. This is relational. Um, some people, even my good friends, have walked away from God when they've, when they've come across a time of suffering in their lives. And, 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 that, and that breaks my heart. It's a tragedy because, because there's a, a deeper, more, more real relationship with God to be discovered when the darkness falls. And that's clear from the, from the second thing that you notice. Do you see that the leader becomes the companion in the second picture? So a shepherd is ahead uh, in um, Israel in 1000 BC. The shepherd walks ahead and um, leads and provides for the sheep, looking for pasture and, and water and, and the right path. But a companion is with you. They're by your side. And that's the picture in verse 4. You notice that even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For, for literally, it's so compact in Hebrew poetry, you with me. That's what it says. You, two words, you with me. One person puts it like this. The darker the shadow, the closer the Lord. The darker the shadow, the closer the Lord. And that's when the, the third thing becomes apparent. Um, that this companion has two things, a, a club, a sort of cudgel, and, and a shepherd's crook. That's the rod and the staff, okay? A cudgel and a shepherd's crook. The, the rod was a sort of cudgel which he used to defend the, um, defend the flock. In, once, in 1 Samuel 17, David shows he's got really quite some experience uh, at defending flocks when, when he works the, works the shepherd. Uh, the cudgel is used to defend the sheep. Uh, it's not used on the sheep, it's used on the bears that are trying to eat the sheep. That's, um, that's the picture. And it's taken from the, from the king in Psalm 2, who's really there to sort of introduce the book of Psalms in Psalm 2. And, and he beats back God's enemies with his rod. Um, who knows? Have you ever wondered this as you've looked back on the previous years, you little maybe years that have that have gone by have you ever wondered this um who knows the unseen dangers that god's been protecting you from have you ever wondered that things you never even knew about that god has been rescuing you from unseen enemies um things we, we never even knew about as we walked through the valley god's been protecting you from them god's been beating those enemies back restraining the hand of of Satan, even, even as we've been going through suffering. At the same time, he's guiding us with his shepherd's staff, with his crook. He's, he's sort of pulling us back onto the, onto the path as we walk through the valley. The valley is not a dead end. Um, it leads us to somewhere better, and God's been guiding us along this path uh, through the death shadow and beating back our enemies. And so we can say, you are with me. You are with me. Um, there's someone 
um, who died the last year. A few of us here knew him, a guy called Michael Williams. He was a sister minister at a church just down the road, a mile away from here. Um, and he was diagnosed um, quite suddenly with brain cancer. Um, and he died a few weeks later. Um, and uh, he left a, a wife and, and two small children. But he died. He went under the death shadow knowing that God was with him. That was his testimony. And so we trust that God will bring him through. You know, that, that's what makes it safe being a Christian, if I can put it like that. That's what makes it the place of safety. If you're just standing on the edge, sort of looking in and, and wondering, what well, is it really safe to, to, to trust myself to a God like this? Does it, am I opening myself up to abuse or sort of manipulation? No, this is a place of real safety. Um, because you know that the darker the shadow, the closer the Lord. Um, Jesus used his cudgel even on death. He, he, he defeated death in the same way that David said he defeated bears and lions. Um, that's what makes it safe being a Christian. You, there is nothing, there is nothing that life can throw at me that won't demonstrate the closeness of God. It's an amazing thing. This is genuine safety. God leads us through. He's our companion. You know, he's, he's not at the end of the road coldly assessing my performance. Yeah, he's, not, he's, he's, he's not there to sort of assess me and say, um, well, he didn't do that very well or she could have done better at that particular point, don't you think? He walks with us. He's our companion. He's got a cudgel in one hand to beat back our enemies. And he's got a staff in the other to keep us on the path. That's our testimony. You are with me. Safest place to be. And the valley is not a dead end because on the other side of death, it leads to a table. That's the third picture. Uh, the final picture in, in this psalm. And it, and it comes in verses 5 and 6. And we call this a host who welcomes me. A host who welcomes me. Um, for, for Dawn, my wife and I, 2022 was a, was a good year for weddings, actually. It was a good year for weddings. I think... Um, it's not so much that our contemporaries are getting married. We're a bit too old for that, by and large. Um, but, but when your contemporaries' children get married, then you, you sort of go for a second round. That's sort of what we're, what we're, what we're experiencing at the moment. I don't know if you know what it's like. Um, you sort of, you, you reply to the invitation, um, and you might put it up on your mantelpiece. It might get buried under a, buried under a, a lot of admin. Um, and then the wedding comes around. You've got it in your diary. Um, I'm never quite sure whether I've been invited to the reception. Is that a, I don't know if that's a fear that you have. It's definitely a fear that I have. I haven't, I, I haven't reread really the invitation very well. And um, I'm, I'm just worried that I'm going to turn up to the reception when I wasn't invited. A genuine fear. And so the first thing I do is I sort of, you know, I get a drink on the way in. And, and then I just make a beeline for the seating plan. Um, and then just very quickly glance down the seating plan. Once I know that my name's there, I can sort of relax, okay, because I, I, I know that I'm supposed to be there. I haven't just crashed their reception uh, when I wasn't invited. Well, when we get through death and God seats us down at his table, 
we will know that we were meant to be that. If, if, if you've taken that step of becoming a Christian, verses 5 and 6, if you've admitted that you're a sheep and, and that you needed the shepherd to die in your place, and uh, if you've accepted this companion um, to walk through life with you, then this is a table where you belong. You belong here beyond the grave. You're welcome. Um, how do you know? Well, in verse 5, um, in sort of David's way of thinking in his culture, uh, when your head's anointed, that means that you're an honoured guest. Okay? Your head's anointed when you're an honoured guest. And, and it's in the presence of your enemies. It's not just they've been beaten back, but they've given up. They've been fully and finally defeated. Uh, they've nothing on you anymore, your enemies. Um, and then there's the, there's the lavish provision. That the Lord's welcome and the, and the lavish provision in verse 5. Too many blessings to handle. That's the overflowing cup. Um, goodness and love following you. I mean, I mean I, actually, it's more than that. It's more than that. Um, goodness and mercy literally are pursuing us. Okay, they, w- they won't let us get away. We're being pursued by God who is determined to do us good. It, it's a bit like this. If you, if you can imagine walking down the street at night um, in London somewhere and um, someone starts following you and then you, you cross over to the other side of the road, they cross over the road behind you, um, you speed up and, the, and they keep pace with you. In fact, someone else joins them and, and you start to run, but they grab you from behind um, and your heart's racing. And, and when they've got you, and they quickly reach in their pocket and, and they give you a huge pile of cash. And they say, we just wanted to give you, we just wanted to give you this. Please, please accept it. It's a gift. Goodness and covenant love are pursuing us. They won't let us go. They won't let us get away. God is determined to do us good. The point is we have this God as a carer. He's our carer. I don't know what the year ahead's going to bring. Maybe you're already feeling like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death. But, but at the start of the year, to shut the door on a God like this would be mad, wouldn't it? Mad. If, if he's real. And, and, and if you're not sure about that, then come along to Christianity Explored. And I'd love to talk to you about that. I'm going to be leading that with a stare, just sitting at the back. Um, if you're not sure that he's real, then come along to Christianity Explored. You'll find a QR code on the back of the back of the service sheet, but at least look into it. <laughs> but, it. But if he's real, then we should expect to see this God perfectly represented in Jesus, shouldn't we? And uh, we should expect to see him perfectly represented in Jesus. And that's precisely what we find. Jesus, the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep and who guides us by his words. And Jesus, the perfect companion who will never leave us or forsake us, but walks with us through suffering. And he can do that because he knows what it's like to feel pain. He's experienced it. Jesus, the one who welcomes us to the feast on the other side of death. Well done, good and faithful servant, he says. Sit down to eat. And so David's testimony here becomes our testimony in Jesus. Take, take these words with you into the year. Those, those three testimonies, perhaps you'll be able to say them as 2023 turns into 2024. I lack nothing. I will fear no 
evil. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that when someone says to you this year, as, as they probably will at some point, you know, why do you seem to be so patient with everything? Or um, why don't you swear when things are bad? Or, or why are you different from the other people that I know? You can say, and it's, and it's worth being ready for those moments, isn't it? You can say, because I have a shepherd who walks with me through the good times and the bad. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Jesus, that we can say that you are our shepherd, that you call us, you know us by name, you lead us. And we thank you that you're our companion. You, you, you walk with us and, and you know what it's like to walk into the valley of the shadow of death because you did it for us. You laid down your life. Thank you that you're waiting the other side of death and that you will welcome us to your table. So I pray that we would know that testimony in the year ahead. I pray that we'd be able to say, I lack nothing. You provided everything that I needed. Not, not that I saw that at the time, but that you gave me what was necessary. Thank you. I pray that we'd be able to say, I'll fear no evil. We'll know that you are defeating evil. You've done everything necessary to bring about the end of evil forever. And so we'll be able to say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Make that our confidence, please, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.